Welcome to the CultureWise Podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace. Here we aim to discuss topics relating to how followers of Jesus can more effectively reach Latter-day Saints in their relational networks. My name is Daniel Shugart, and I am joined today by Ross Anderson and Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson has been working with the Mormonism Research Ministry, sometimes known as MRM, since 1989 and in 2010 moved to Utah uh, to serve full-time. And just recently, he released a book that he published, uh, or he wrote, titled Introducing Christianity to Mormons. And today we're going to hear from him a little bit more about this book. But first, Eric, uh, just just let us know, how did you get into um, ministry among Mormons? Well, it started back in the 1980s. I had become very interested in other religions in 1978 when a man named Jim Jones had a thousand people commit suicide by drinking the the cyanide-laced Kool-Aid, and that's where the term don't drink the Kool-Aid came from. So I became interested in reading other people's scriptures, and when people came to my door, inviting them inside at San Diego State, taking world religions classes and things like that, became involved in a ministry in the early 80s that was called Making Disciples Ministry. Uh, 1987, uh, let's see, 1987, I ended up going to Utah for a short-term mission uh, and for the entire summer and really enjoyed working with the Mormon people. And finally, in 1989, I met my friend Bill McKeever. As you mentioned, I've been with Mormonism Research Ministry since 1989, helping Bill there, having taught a couple of decades in Southern California at the high school and college and seminary level. I ended up... Um, uh, moving to Utah in 2010 to do this ministry full time. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for sharing a little bit of that. So, what what has really shaped uh, the way that you approach ministry? Your your style of ministry, some of your objectives in ministry. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not a former Latter Day Saint, and uh, and so some would say, you know, how how effective can you be uh, when you haven't ever been a member of the church, I think you can be very effective. And uh, it's just like going to Papua New Guinea. Missionaries who go there weren't members of that tribe, but they have a passion and are compassionate about sharing that gospel with uh, people who uh, don't have the truth. My my, uh, purpose in ministry is to as effectively communicate what Mormonism really is is base level. I mean, this is what Mormonism is based on the scriptures. They have four of them, the standard works, of course, based on their leaders. They have current uh, leaders called the the prophet, their first uh, counselor and second counselor, and then 12 apostles. Those 15 men called general authorities are giving doctrine. And so I want to communicate to people what it is that Mormonism really teaches, regardless of what your LDS friends may say. You never want to tell a Mormon, well, you believe this, you believe that. They might not believe it. I think that's something important. Uh, when people we give this information out, we want people to know, don't just use this information to tell them what they believe. Let them tell you, but have a background understanding when they use the terms that we use, like grace and God and Jesus, to understand that there are differences there. And then to be able to help Christians be able to share their faith in an effective manner. So we do a lot of evangelism out on the street, trying our best to explain that gospel, but to also equip Christians so that they, with a a compassionate heart like I think I have, to be able to effectively do that without screaming, yelling, debating, to actually 
have a cordial conversation. Come let us reason together. Yeah. Yeah. And and so part of Mormonism Research Ministry is it is it training and equipping and encouraging others to to also join you in the work of evangelism with Latter-day Saints? Oh yeah, we uh, uh, we do a lot of different kinds of evangelism. Every Thursday night, we go down to Provo um, near where the temple is there, and uh, we do evangelism uh, on the street. Uh, General conference October and April every year, we're out there trying to share. And, and again, it's some people may not think that's uh, an effective way. Stranger evangelism is called, but I think I've had some of the best conversations just standing on the street doing what we do. Uh, and I also like to go to temple open house events. These are when a temple is rededicated, uh, remodeled, or when it is first built. They actually will uh, open the temple up for a few weeks, uh, sometimes two to five weeks, depending. Uh, uh, we we like to stand outside and try to get in conversations there. So yeah, and, and so we have people who come with us and do that. We try our best to train to be able to uh, be effective. So certainly it's important to be able to share with our coworkers and our neighbors, friends. Those those are important situations that I can't equal. You have a much better lead than I do. But out on the street, you never know what's gonna happen. And we have seen people come to the Lord through those kinds of conversations. Yeah, Eric, I'm interested. Um, you know, what we do on this podcast is we wanna evaluate how we do ministry in the light of the culture that we live in. Uh, before we go into talk about your book, I'm just interested in 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 learning more about what you guys, as you do street evangelism or stranger evangelism, what you guys have learned about how to um, how to tailor that to the unique particular culture that we live in in Utah. As you have conversations with LDS people, what are some of the ways that that you you've learned um, about the LDS culture, and maybe you've uh, taken that culture into account? in how you have your those conversations with people well well i think one of the main things is we need to understand that uh, the culture has changed even the last five years very progressive uh so you're going to have to be able to deal with everything from atheism agnosticism uh that even somebody who's still in the church or, or their disagreement with the bible based on article eight and they'll like they like to point out contradictions or the telephone game we get that used all the time and and so, and so you're gonna have to be able to uh, effectively engage that the lgbtq plus issue is huge even within the church feminism uh, I, I have talked to a number of feminists who are in the church who want to pray to mother god and do so uh, so, I mean, that's kind of, that that's different than what the leaders want, but they're doing that and they're begging for the priesthood. That is also something. I, I think that progressive issue is something that has to be uh, considered. My favorite tactic though, uh, and I've handed out 1400 copies of this book that was printed in 1969 by uh, future uh, uh, president uh, uh, Spencer W. Kimball called The Miracle of Forgiveness. I think that book does a good job of explaining what people have to do in order to be able to get the very best this religion has to offer, which is basically keeping all the commandments to get to the celestial kingdom and godhood or exaltation. Uh, I have had great conversations. That's why I do it so often. Just being on the street, free copy of The Miracle of Forgiveness. I have certain parts highlighted. I have a website, The Miracle of Forgiveness, and some information that's tucked in there, but I get into some of the best conversations getting right to the heart of the issue, skipping 
polygamy, skipping the LGBTQ plus issue, all the other things. If you're in the church, these are the verses that I think you need to consider used, I think, accurately by Spencer W. Kimball. Even though I disagree with his conclusions, I, I'm nowhere near close to what he, he, he teaches or believes. But I think the things that he's saying must be accomplished if a person hopes to get uh, the celestial kingdom. And I'm finding over and over again since 2014 when I started this strategy that no Latter-day Saint is doing what they're supposed to do, which the Book of Mormon says, 1 Nephi 3, 7, that God doesn't give commandments that cannot be kept. Uh, also, Moses chapter 7, that's cited by Spencer Kimball. So Kimball says, if it's possible to do, then he was Nike before there was Nike. Just do it, he said. It's pretty simple. Keep all the commandments of God continually. And unless you do where I am, you cannot go. That's Doctrine and Covenants, section 2515. So, Ross, I think what, 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 what I'm trying to say here is um, I think giving the gospel as quickly and, and efficiently as you can. I may only get three minutes with somebody, five minutes. I want them walking away a little bit concerned, that little pebble in the shoe, so to speak, that Greg Kokel talks about in his book, Tactics, that they're not doing everything that's supposed to be done, but I want to leave them not just with a message of despair. I want to also tell them that's not what the Bible says. And I'll quote verses like Ephesians 2, 8, 9 and other places where the Bible definitely says that we can have salvation uh, as a gift, not based on anything we do, which Mormonism teaches. Mm -hmm. That's great. So tell us a little bit about this book that you just wrote. Uh, first, what, what was your motivation? What sparked your interest in writing this book? I felt that there was not a single book out there that could be used to help a Mormon, for instance, a Latter-day Saint, understand what Christianity taught. Uh, my daughter had asked me for a book for her co-worker uh, who had left the church was basically nothing, but was interested to find out what it was Christianity believed. She came, this was August of 2020 during COVID. And I went to my bookshelf and I have a lot of books that talk about what Christianity is. I, there's some good ones out there. Uh, I like Lee Strobel's book, uh, um, Case for Christ. I, I, think it, I think he does a good job there, but it doesn't really do a good job of defining what the words mean, the terms means, because Mormons believe in Christ. The, uh, the Latter-day Saint believes in, uh, in, in Jesus as a, as a savior, he even say, or he believes that we're saved by grace through faith. And that's where the confusion happens. This book, Introducing Christianity to Mormons, is a book that um, I would say uh, will hopefully bridge the gap using real life evangelism encounters that I've had to incorporate the information, to help the information become clear. But I think that uh, a Christian who can do that effectively Yes, we want to get them out of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. We want them to leave, but if they're leaving for nothing, that's not what we're intending. We want them to understand better what Christianity teaches. And the statistics say that 45% of everybody who leaves the church ends up going to atheism, agnosticism, or nothing at all. Another 21% end up going to uh, basically uh, just Christian, they call themselves. That's what uh, Jana Reese in her book, The Next Mormons from 2019 calls it, just Christian. They're not going to any kind of a church. They're just uh, out of the Mormon church. They're moral. They haven't committed murder or adultery. That's two out of three people. Only 10% of everyone who leaves Mormonism becomes an evangelical Christianity. I have a degree in marketing and advertising from San Diego State University. I'm not trying to cheapen the gospel, but I think we have 
a really good product to make available. It's just unfortunately, Latter-day Saints are misunderstanding what it is when we say uh, God, Jesus, and salvation by grace alone. We need to do a better job of explaining what our quote-unquote product is and help them to see the other side. I think every Latter-day Saint who leaves the church ought to at least give Christianity a fair shake by seeing what it is that we actually do believe. So I wanna, I wanna crush the straw man arguments that many Latter-day Saints will do use against us about what we believe and try to be as accurate as I can. And this book I'm hoping is gonna be a help in that area. Yeah, it seems like a lot of former Latter-day Saints really latch onto some of the things that they were taught in the church. And, and even though they've let go of the truth of the church, they no longer believe that the church is true. They have a hard time shaking some of these other caught cultural beliefs, for example, to distrust the Bible or uh, to have skepticism toward other Christian religions. Uh, and, so, and so that really shapes the way that they consider or don't consider faith after leaving Mormonism. It sounds like you you've let a lot of personal experience really drive some of the content of the book. Is is that right? Uh, yeah, and, and yes, a lot of it is. I taught for a number of years at uh, in Southern California at a Christian school. Apologetics, seventeen years I taught uh, and uh, training students how to own their own faith. So a lot of the a lot of the information in this book comes from my teaching from so many years of teaching high school students. Because if you can explain. Christianity to a high school student and make it understandable. I think you can do it for anybody. Uh, and, and so the stories, certainly I've been sharing with Latter-day Saints since uh, the early 1980s. So I've been doing this for probably 40 years, uh, sharing my faith uh, on the streets, uh, in individual contacts uh, and conversations. Uh, yeah, a lot of this, this book is the heart and soul is kind of who I am. Uh, my other books that I've written have usually been written with my friend Bill McKeever, but this was not going to be a book I could have a co-author. I needed to do it myself. And it's kind of its own little tiny mini systematic theology of the essential issues of what Christians do believe. Essential issues that we can all agree on. We might disagree in the peripheral issues, the in-house debates. They're not going to be included here because that's in-house. I'm more interested in the essential issues of what it is that we accept together as Christians. Great. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about the book. It's, it's titled Introducing Christianity to Mormons. And, and what is the main point of the entire book? Well, first, the title, Introducing Christianity to Mormons, that's kind of controversial because introducing Christianity, Mormons are Christians, or at least that's what they'll tell us. That's been the mantra for the past 20 to 30 years. I remember in the early days that Latter-day Saints didn't want to be known as Christians. They wanted to be known as Mormons. Well, in, in 2018, the top leader of the church, Russell M. Nelson, declared that Jesus is offended when we use the word Mormon, LDS, Mormonism. And they even had, I think it's a great brand marketing that they had. Mormon.org and LDS.org were their websites. They now have taken those down. Actually, they forward to the Church of Jesus Christ, which is what we're supposed to call the church. I can't do that. I can't call the church the Church of Jesus Christ or their full name, the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. But yeah, so, so this book title right away is going to maybe be a little offensive to a Latter-day Saint, but I'm not sure what else I could have called it introducing biblical christianity to members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints it's way too long the publisher would have never 
wanted that. And it would have been confusing for many Christians who don't know what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is all about. So four words, introducing Christianity to Mormons. The book is uh, filled with, uh, with the first two chapters of the 10 deal with uh, the Bible because Article 8 has decimated the beliefs of Mormons as, as far as the Bible is concerned. Our, uh, Joseph Smith said that the Bible was true as far as it's translated correctly. I go in and describe, that's not really talking about translation, it's more talking about transmission, that these false, uh, these uh, uh, priests, these corrupt priests came in and changed things and, and uh, we can't really trust the Bible. And then I talk about, uh, everything from the nature of God, who is Jesus, the resurrection, the Trinity, justification by faith alone, sanctification, the works that we do as a result of who we are. And then chapter 10, I deal with uh, how to grow in the faith. I recommend I, I recommend the Christian does, uh, who a Mormon who becomes a Christian does not stay in the LDS church. I think they need to find a good biblical church to ground themselves in. And, and so I talk about that and other ways that a Christian uh, grows in the faith. One chapter that I wrote that some might be mystified, chapter three, the existence of God, reasonable reasons for belief. Why in the world would I put a chapter about belief in God when the Latter-day Saint believes in God? Well, because so many leaving the church end up having a skepticism. And I'm going to tell you the reason for that skepticism, many Latter-day Saints have a mantra. They say to themselves, if the church is not true, then nothing else is. I think that's a lie. Because if even atheism is true, it's true. Something has to be true. You can't just say nothing is true. But the reason why they shy away from Christianity is the great apostasy. The great apostasy says that all of biblical Christianity died soon after the death of the apostles. And it wasn't until Joseph Smith restored the church in 1830 that we can now understand what the Bible should have said in the parts that were plain and missing parts. I mean, plain and precious parts actually is what the Book of Mormon states. So uh, yeah, my hope is that this book could, uh, can be used at, for a Christian. It's mainly written for Christians, but also I'm hoping it will be handed to somebody who is open to looking at what Christianity has to say. Maybe somebody still in the LDS church, possibly somebody who has left the church. And I'm going to tell you, it seems like for my case, my experience, most of them are atheists or agnostic. At least that's what they'll call themselves. Uh, so we have a job to do because according to the statistics, only 10% become evangelical Christians. I think that statistic is uh, very sad. We have a lot of work to help equip our, our followers, our Christian followers in the churches so that they can effectively explain what Christianity is. Not just getting the Mormon to leave his church, but getting them into a relationship with Jesus. I don't want the Latter-day Saint to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, that's a great point, Eric. And um, actually, it, it's really um, sad because Mormonism in so many ways sets people up for atheism. That's a whole other topic. But I'm interested in this as you've had, because in your book, it really does reflect a lot of the things you've learned in so many conversations with people. And, um, you know, whether that's been in, in Utah or whether it's been um, as you go out to temple openings around the country, I'm curious about what have you found that there are differences or not between how Utah Mormons think about these things versus how Mormons and other parts of the country think about these things. Have you seen uh, any of that at all? Yes, I, I have. Uh, yeah, the, the, the mentality here in Utah, in fact, 
Latter-day Saints who move here from other states oftentimes don't like the mentality. It's very cut and dry, uh, very legalistic in many ways here in Utah. At least that's what they'll, they'll say within their own words. I, I talk to people who have moved from out of state and uh, oftentimes they want to get out of here. They hate Utah. Uh, but when I'm in California, for instance, where I was from, yeah, the, the type of Mormonism was just different. It wasn't as, it wasn't as cut and dry. It was, well, and I'm going to say even possibly more postmodern. And it's very postmodern here in, uh, in Utah itself, but even more so where there's a lax feel uh, about some of the issues. I know bishops who uh, in other states uh, are not as strict as far as their temple recommend interviews. Uh, as, like for instance, I, I, I talked to one Mormon recently and they told me, they said, yeah, I drink coffee. And uh, you know, they live from another part of the, uh, the outside of Utah. And they said, yeah, I drink coffee and I, I don't always do everything I'm supposed to do. I said, what do you do during your temple recommend interview? And they said, oh, I'm honest with the bishop. I said, when you tell them that you drink coffee, he said, well, try to not do it as often is what he told her. Now, so it differs. The bishop's supposed to be the judge in Israel. He's he's the one who gets to determine whether or not somebody gets to go to the temple. Uh, I don't know how it is so per se here in Utah, but I think it might be a little stricter. And that's the feel I get on the streets. But at the same time, Utah uh, Mormons are are uh, fun to talk to. I really do enjoy talking to them on the street, especially younger people. I love talking to the, uh, in fact, I'll go out to BYU for the football games and, and just stand outside the, there. I love talking to 19, 20 year olds who haven't read the miracle of forgiveness and, uh, and to be able to t give them the gospel. They've never heard it before. Some of them have been on their missions, some haven't. And uh, I, I think, um, uh, so people are people wherever you go. But I do think, Ross, uh, it, it is a little bit stricter here is from what I have gathered. Yeah, I'd be curious, what what were some of the biggest challenges as you were writing this book? Probably some parts came very naturally and some parts you had to really work on. Yeah, uh, Daniel, I would say, um, and Ross can, you, you know what I'm talking about. When you write a book, it's like giving birth, they say. I mean, it's a painful process and then, when you have a publisher like you do as well, Ross, you know, and having them go through it, I love it. And I had a lot of people go through the book. I was begging people, please help me uh, find anything that I'm saying that could either be heretical, misunderstood, said better. And, and I did have a lot of help from a lot of different people. I had about 15 people who read my manuscript and gave me feedback. And the publisher did a great job as well. The main editor um, of this did spectacular. But my main fear was that because I'm writing about strict doctrine, <laughs> that I and I have a lot of friends in apologetics that they were going to say, see something I said and uh, say, "Oh, you're full of it. That's a heresy." You know what I'm talking about here. You know, it's 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 kind of like you. you you basically give birth after all that painful process. And now the fear is somebody's going to call your baby ugly. And that's kind of what my, my, my feeling was on this. So far, I've had really positive responses. I appreciate Ross wrote a, wrote a um, recommendation for the book that's on the back page of the, uh, the recommendations. I had eight different people, people that I value, people with doctorates, uh, people who have been in ministry a long time, and, and they look through it. And I've had, I've really had only good comments so far. I'm sure there will be some criticism that will come, but that would be, that would have been the hardest thing for me because I wrote with trepidation in the whole process. Yeah, that's wise. That's wise. 
So how can this book add value to someone who's trying to engage with Latter-day Saints on a regular basis? I would say that uh, if they understand what Christianity teaches, you hear this all the time, you know, you need to know what you believe. People have used what's called the counterfeit money analogy. In fact, I just heard this on the radio on, on a Christian station just past uh, weekend. Somebody said, the, you know, he, he made up emphasis on you need to know what you believe. I agree with that. But the and they say, well, you study the, the, the original bill, the hundred dollar bill. That's what the Secret Service does. Yes, they do. But they also will study what the counterfeits are. This has been proven. Uh, Secret Service does take a close look. They want to know what the counterfeiters are doing. I think we need to understand what Mormonism teaches as well. We do need to know what Christianity teaches. That's what this book is primarily about. But I have enough information in here to at least give you enough information to know what the Latter-day Saint is saying when you say salvation by grace. You need to know, 2 Nephi 25-23, that we're saved by grace after all we can do. And you need to understand how the leaders have interpreted that passage to say that you must keep the commandments of God continually. That, that uh, Over and over again in their scripture, uh, Latter-day Saints have plenty of places where it's about Jesus plus the works that you do equals exaltation in the or eternal life in the celestial kingdom. That's good. I think it's super helpful with some of the people that I've encouraged to share the gospel with Mormons. Uh, they'll they'll have the missionaries over or ha to have a conversation with a friend who's LDS and come away from that conversation unsure why they need to witness to Mormons. But having some of these background understandings um, can really clarify, oh, even though I hear them saying this, I, I have a better picture of what's behind that. And I think that's really helpful. Yeah, and another thing, um, Eric, I think a great companion volume to this book is the book that you and Bill wrote called Answering Mormon's Questions. That's a book I recommend all the time to people to have on their shelf to have it available. Because if I give this, your new book, if I give it to a Latter-day Saint to understand Christianity, hopefully that's going to generate conversation. Hopefully it's not going to just be forgotten. And, you know, the, the ultimate point is I want to be able to, you know, because they're, they're going to have questions, they're going to have pushback, they're going to have things that they don't agree with. And then the answering Mormon's questions goes into a little more depth on some of the issues that you bring up in, in, in your new book that a person could um, know how to engage those, that next tier of conversations as well. So we're really, we're strong advocates of people having conversations in the relational context but we know people have, need tracks to run on. People need resources and things that are going to help them have those conversations. And I, I think that's a great suggestion uh, because I can't do everything in a 300-page book. You know that. <laughs> you know, when, you, when you wrote your books, you, you only get so many pages. The publisher says this is what you get. Uh, I was very fortunate. They weren't going to let me originally put the glossary in the back. I, I thought I, I demanded it. I said, I've got to have a glossary because I want them to at least be able to understand the words, the way that I mean them. So I don't have to explain them in the chapter itself. You can go and, and kind of get a one sentence definition. But I think that book, Answering Mormon's Questions, that we wrote for, with Kriegel in 2013, you're right, 38 questions commonly asked by Latter-day Saints. The Bible says that we're supposed to have an answer for everyone who asks us to give the reason for the hope we have 
but we're supposed to do it with gentleness and respect. And, and, and hopefully the information I'm providing in this book or in answering Mormon's questions will be taken by the Christian that way. This information is not meant to win debates and make the Latter-day Saints look silly. Instead, it's just meant to help you have those answers when they come and give you questions to be able to have uh, um, appropriate and accurate responses. Yeah, and Eric, you were sharing with us just before recording about a conversation you had this last weekend. Uh, what can you share about that? Yeah, I was uh, working at the uh, Utah Lighthouse Ministry Bookstore, uh, which is run by Sandra Tanner right across the street in Salt Lake City from Smith's Ballpark. And at the end of my four-hour shift, we volunteer there, myself and Bill uh, take turns on Saturdays so Sandra can have weekends off. We've been doing that for years. And uh, this gentleman came in and he was he looked like deer in the headlights. And so I always try to make people feel comfortable. And I, I could tell he was a little nervous. And, and it took him a few minutes to kind of become more comfortable. And he wanted to get Sandra's uh, great book, um, Mormonism Shadow Reality, that's been so popular over the years. I, I, and so I showed him where it was and he looked around a little more. And then we got into conversation. Uh, and I, I asked him, how long have you been out of the church? Because he had told me he was a former Mormon. He said seven years. And it turned out he was an atheist. At least that's what he claimed. And if you read my chapter three, this idea of the evidence for God, the story that I tell there is very close to the story here, except I didn't go the same route. I didn't I didn't bring out, you know, are you really an atheist? I I could tell that he was open enough that that I was able to over the next 45 minutes. He sat down in a chair across from me across the desk there and uh, I was able to uh, explain the Bible because he thought the Bible was just full of lies. And I, so we talked a little bit about chapters one and two of my book. And then I gave him the gospel. I, I said, have you ever heard the gospel uh, from a Christian before? And I explained it. He had not. Uh, and uh, and so he was he was intrigued. He says, I just think that Christianity has just as many problems as Mormonism. I said, well, you're free to have your conclusion, but you haven't done the investigation. As you told me, I, I challenge you to do that. I ended up giving him a copy of the New Testament. He was willing to take that. I love to give a, a copy of the Bible in a modern language. I say, keep the King James open if you feel uncomfortable with it, but read that and see how it's the same thing. It's just going to be in words that you understand. He was willing to do that. He said he would read the book of John. And then after he checked out and he was about ready to leave, I said, would you like a copy of Introducing Christianity to Mormons? I'll buy it for you. It's my, it's my uh, treat. And he says, you'll do that? And I said, if you'll read it, I, yeah, of course I will. And he says, I will. He says, I'm a slow reader, but I will read it because I need to be open uh, to other possibilities. Because I told him, uh, I, I showed him uh, using a, a, it was called Pascal's Wager. I said, both of us can't be right. One of us has to be wrong. We both might be wrong. But what if it is that I was right and you were wrong? Have you ever considered that? If you haven't in seven years, you have not considered what Christianity teaches. He said, I'm going to read it. I'm going to see what you have to offer. And then he asked me, he says, would you put your email in there? Would you like me to tell you uh, what I think of it? Absolutely. Tell me what you think. So who knows? Maybe this would be a conversation in a few months. I'll be able to have a continued uh, dialogue. That's an incredible story. I'm praising God for the opportunity and you just walking through the door and being faithful with it. It's exciting that he, he kind of wants to have some continued dialogue. Uh, and there was a little bit of contact information exchanged. That's encouraging. So how can how can listeners get a hold of you? How can they get a hold of your book? Well, 
the book, it, it, I have a website for it. Uh, it's called introducingchristianity.com. Introducingchristianity.com, one word. Uh, it will take you to the website. It takes you actually to our mrm.org website uh, where we have a lot of resources, articles, podcasts, uh, all the things that we do. Uh, and on there are the four places you can get it. You can get it from our website, mrm.org. You can get it from amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, christianbooks.com. All you Check out the pricing. You know, Check out how much shipping is. And, and also Sandra Tanner does have that book if you live here in the Utah area for those who do live here. So there are places to get the book. Uh, I, I would love to have people purchase this for themselves, and if they like it and they have LDS friends who might be willing to take a look at it like this gentleman was, uh, maybe offer to give them a copy as well. Yeah, and is is there a, a way to get in contact with you and Mormonism Research Ministry on that website as well? There is. I'll give everybody my email. Uh, E-R-I-C, Eric is my name, at M-R-M dot org mrm.org so eric at mrm.org i'd love to have somebody ask questions uh, uh discuss anything that's what we do here we do a lot of uh email kinds of uh conversational evangelism as well yeah well thank you so much for joining today and thanks for sharing about this book and your experience in utah and your experience with mormonism i really appreciate your insights that you're sharing thank you ross and daniel i, I appreciate you having me on the show yeah. Again, this is the Culture Wise Podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace.